Welcome back to Happy and Healthy. I am your host, Janine Amapola, and welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday, you guys. I hope you're having a great day. I am actually filming this on a Monday, which I never do, but I am heading out of town this weekend for Maddie's bachelorette party, so I'm just trying to prep for the weekend and make sure I am up to date because I never want to miss a week. Um, I've actually been, y'all, I'm so proud of myself. This whole season three, since literally... February 1st, when the, the podcast launched again, I have not missed a single week. Can we just can we just have a round of applause for that? Because that's hard work. If you have a podcast, you know that's hard work. And coordinating guests, it's a lot of work. So thank you to my podcast coordinator for helping me stay on track. But it's it's been a lot. Um, but it's also been so amazing. And so I am a, I'm currently drinking a Celsius. If you're watching the YouTube video, I have a much more chill background right now. I'm filming on my, uh, on my computer today. Um, and I'm excited for today's episode. Um, before we get into that, I just wanted to first of all say thank you to a new monthly donator. Her name is Palmer. Thank you so much, Palmer, for monthly donating to the podcast. I just wanted to give a big shout out to her for that. So thank you so much. It means the world to me that you guys support me. Um, and yeah, I just uh, this next month is going to be absolutely bonkers. So that's kind of why I've been trying to pre-film a lot. I'm going to be traveling four times, I think, in the month of October. I will be gone in the Maldives, Cabo, Miami, and then I have Maddie's wedding kind of coming up and stuff. So it's going to be one of the craziest months. I'm just trying to prep. And I am going to be giving you guys a heads up that I will be taking a break from the podcast starting November 1st. I, like I said, I've been doing this podcast consistently every single week, and it is a lot of work as much as I absolutely absolutely love it. I do think it's important to kind of take a break and just recenter and figure out what are we doing. So I think for both my podcast coordinator and I, we just need a little bit of a break. So we will be back. Don't you guys worry. I think we'll be back around January 15th, but going to be taking a break for the holidays. So don't you worry. We'll be returning bigger and better than ever with some amazing guests, but I do have one guest that is coming up soon. I am just so unbelievably excited for this guest. My, you know, college self, I've read her books freaked out like I can't even believe it's real that I'm getting her on so stay tuned for that it's going to be an amazing episode but yeah for today's episode I'm bringing on Kelsey Barnhart we had a really great conversation just about diseases and cancer and sickness and how to handle lamenting and grieving and if you are someone going through this season or you know someone that's going through this season I think this podcast is going to be really helpful I think her story is just really impactful and she's going to have some really great stuff for you guys just to hear and so I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me and cheers. Let's just get right into today's episode. All right, Kelsey, welcome to Happy and Healthy. I am so excited to have you come on the show. You reached out to me and my team and when I heard your story, I was just super excited. I was like, wow, like this girl is a trooper. She's a survivor has an amazing story. So welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to share. So you, your name's Kelsey Barnhart. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Barnhart. Yes. And where do you live again? I live in Peoria, Illinois. So smack dab center of the country. Okay. Are you, is it getting cold there already? Yeah. Like I'm looking out a big window. We've got some yellow leaves already. Very fall. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. I'm down in Texas where it's still 95 degrees. <laughs> And it's it's brutal, so I might need to take a trip out there to Illinois. I've heard yeah. good things about Chicago. I actually might be coming out there in December because I've heard just the best things about Christmas time there. Yeah, it's so fun. You have to. I would love to. I'd love to. So, Kelsey, your story is pretty crazy. Um, you were diagnosed with cancer, at breast cancer, at the age of 27, um, and you survived, but you went through a pretty 
hard time, a different trial. Um, and your story is just really impactful. And I've never had someone really on my podcast with this type of story. And you've been featured in many different things. American Eagle, um, they reached out to you and had you featured in their stuff as well. And so your story is a pretty cool story, but the thing is not everyone gets that story. Not a lot of people get the story of being healed from cancer or surviving. And so I'd love to just kind of talk to you more about what that was like. You know, what does healthy lamenting look like? How did you handle that? Um, And what would be your advice to people that, you know, maybe they're looking at you and they're like, that's awesome. Like I, and that's amazing that you survived that, but my mom didn't, or my sister didn't, or my aunt didn't. How do I handle that? And, you know, as I was kind of looking through your story and looking at the articles that you've done, you kind of did touch upon like, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, and it is kind of the question that people ask all the time of like, why, like, why God, why me or why her? Why did I not get healed? Why did she get healed? Whatever. And so I kind of want to just touch upon all of that with you today, um, but I want to just give you the opportunity just to talk about yourself, talk about your story, who you are, what you're passionate about, and just share the story with us. Yeah, well, to set the stage, like you said, I was diagnosed when I was 27, so at that time, um, I was working and still work at a large nonprofit um, in Peoria that helps people with medical bills. So I was super familiar with cancer as a concept, but I had obviously never experienced it personally and didn't even have any family members, close family members or friends who had walked that path. So I was, I was honestly in a really happy stage of life. Like I had come through some things with the Lord and was at a really solid spot of just having fun and a lot of joy in life with my friends and family. And then like most of these stories start, like you notice something in your body and you have this fringe thought of this could be something serious. Uh, so I should probably get it checked out. So yeah, I made an appointment with a new doctor and there's just like miracle after miracle as far as getting into somebody and getting something looked at really quickly. But yeah, when I saw her, she pretty much assumed that it wasn't cancer because I was 27 and the chances of that were so rare, but she was a cancer survivor. So she, from the get-go was like, we should just be sure. And I said, yeah, we should. And so uh, she referred me for some imaging. And when that doctor took a look at the scans, she was straight up with me. She was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I wouldn't tell you that if I wasn't concerned. Um, So she asked me to stay for a biopsy that day, which I've later learned is super rare. And um, I got the results the next day. So it was like really, really fast for me. And in the course of you know, 24, 48 hours, my like entire life changed. And a lot of the things, the thoughts that I had about the Lord changed really quickly too. So that's kind of the the quick diagnosis story. Um, But, you know, one of my fondest memories, like there's a lot of traumatic memories from that time, of course, but one of my fondest memories was uh, sitting down with a mentor the morning before I was officially diagnosed And saying to him, like, what is this going to mean for my life? Like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. Um, I don't know how to feel about the Lord right now. Just a lot of tears, a lot of fear. In that moment, he pointed me to Galatians 4, which was not a, you know, story or text that I was super familiar with, but it's Paul talking about his own suffering. Um, And he basically explains to the church in Galatia, like, it's because of this suffering that I'm able to 
preach to you guys or that I'm here specifically. And that kind of from the get-go like shifted my perspective a bit where I was thinking, like, I don't think the Lord did this to me necessarily. He's allowing it, um, which carries emotions too. But like maybe it's an opportunity to partner with him in a new way that I haven't ever before. And so I'm just really thankful for that experience, the day of diagnosis, and that kind of changed everything right away. Wow. So how old are you now? So I'm 30. uh, So three and a half years cancer-free, which is... Yay! That's amazing. So how long did you have that? Like, how long was the process, the chemo, until you were like, I'm free? Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is when they looked at my scans, they told me it had probably been growing for two years, and I didn't even feel it until that point. Um, So I had cancer for years, didn't even know it. And then I had about a a straight year of treatment as far as uh, mastectomy, chemo, radiation. And then at that point, they they declare you no evidence of disease. And um, now I'm in a different stage of trying to prevent reoccurrence, which I'm going to be in for a few more years. Gosh, that's so crazy. I mean, I can't even imagine like the feeling of you go from living your everyday life and you're 27 and, you know, I'm sure you were, you said you were working at a nonprofit. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden your world is just like absolutely flipped, flipped upside down. And what was kind of just like your mindset through all of that when you were like, okay, like I, I have cancer. And then what was like the next mindset after that? I think there was like an immediate level of grief. Um, but what's really interesting is I don't remember being angry right away because I I kind of had this weird perspective of like, well, I never asked the Lord to not have cancer. It's not something I had prayed about or thought about before. So um, I'm an Enneagram one. So like in my mind, that made logical sense. Like, well, I never asked. Um, right. And so for the first few months uh, leading up from diagnosis to surgery, I wasn't angry I was just trying to adjust and process things. And with any initial diagnosis, you're so flooded with support and love that that kind of is like a buoy in the ocean and it carries you to the next big thing. Um, So yeah, those first few months were honestly pretty okay because I kept thinking, I'm going to have surgery. I decided at that point to have a single mastectomy um, and to not have reconstruction. That just felt like the right choice for me because I didn't want to have any future surgeries down the road. And so I was pretty confident in my decisions. And I just kept thinking, well, from surgery, we'll know if it spread to my lymph system. And if it did, I'll have to have chemo. And if it didn't, I won't have to have chemo. So um, I just was soliciting prayer from like everybody I met. I went to New Zealand during that time on like a bucket list trip. And I would be meeting people on mountains being like, I'm going to have surgery for cancer. I need you to pray for me. And um, so, yeah, I was just really confident that it wasn't going to spread to my lymph system and that I was going to be okay. But, you know, that's not how the rest of my story went. So that's where a lot of the anger entered. So, yeah, what was that timeline like? Like, what did you do when you knew like, okay, like there's a chance I'm dying or it sounds like you obviously took the bucket list trips and those are amazing. And we see movies about that, but what did like the other parts look like? Like what did that whole year look like of just like, oh my gosh, like I have cancer? 
Part of today's episode is sponsored by Meyer Cookware. And I was really excited when they reached out to work with me because honestly, I did need to step up my cookware. They sell pots and pans. And I've had pots and pans <laughs> since literally I lived in California and they are all scraped up. They're kind of gross. I got them, I think, at like Home Goods. And so it was time for me to upgrade. And I was really excited when they reached out and they sent me their collection, which is the Accent Series in matte black. It has six pieces, including two pots, two pans, and two universal lids. This is important because it's all very stackable. It includes cookware and lids that stack together, making it a dream to store. And there's just no more cabinet clutter, which I don't like clutter. I'm right now in this season where I just want to get rid of everything that's too excessive or just too much. So with just four essential pots and pans and the two lids that do the work, of a 12-piece set. It is the most adaptable, high-performance, beautiful cookware set that we could ever dream of. It's amazing. Another benefit of it is that it keeps spills in check and it has this curved stock pot expertly designed to reduce boil overs and it's just much more effective than straight-sided pots. So that's a nice little thing. So it just reduces any like extra little spills. They also are nonstick. They're stainless steel. And like I said, they reduce any boil overs and they're just very minimalistic, beautiful looking. They're black. They're matte. They're just, they're just stunning. Honestly, you guys should check them out. So if you guys do want to check them out, go to Meyer.com slash happy. That's M-E-Y-E-R or use the code happy for 20% off your order. That's a great deal, guys. 20% off. So try it for yourself so you can experience the true joy of stackable cookware. So make sure you guys check it out. Thanks so much to Meyer for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, those first few months of not knowing whether it spread to my lymph system, um, like I said, not as angry, just kind of trying to live in the moment and being Obviously, there's like a super intense appreciation for life that kind of falls on you all at once. And I've tried as much as possible to like pull on that memory in the years that have passed since then and to try to think um, like, I mean, low key, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? So I want to live every day as if it felt like that first day. I was just being carried by so much love and uh, was looking forward to surgery and finding out the results of that surgery. So yeah, let me share a little bit about that, which was that I went into surgery thinking uh, this isn't going to spread to my lymph system. I'm going to be a-okay and um, just moving on. It'll only be like three months of my life that I had cancer and then it'll be done. But when I woke up from anesthesia, uh, my surgeon told me it did spread and you are going to need chemo and radiation and all these other treatments. And so that's when like anger just entered my life in a really strong way. And I was super mad at the Lord. I felt really embarrassed for all the people that I had asked to pray. Like somehow I took it on internally, like it was my fault that, you know, we weren't getting the answer we wanted. Um, I felt bad for all the people in church that had been praying. So I remember, Uh, My family left the hospital and I was staying the night there and uh, there's an artist that I really like named Chris Renzima and he has a song, uh, You're the Only One, and I just had that playing um, in my ears while I was trying to fall asleep in the hospital. And the lyrics of it are like, the earth is going to try to steal like your joy, but you know, Jesus is the only one that can give you that joy or um, the earth is going to try to tell you that he's not good. But like you have to believe that he is. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but yeah, um, that like initially was exactly what I needed just to kind of 
try to reframe things in my mind and to start thinking about how he was still good. But that wasn't an immediate process. And the other thing that really helped was a few days after that, when I was back at home, um, I started praying and like wanting to come to a point where I wasn't um, trying to avoid talking to Jesus. I was like, let's just basically enter the same room and like duke this out because I'm mad you told me no about something that I really thought was going to be a yes. And um, I remember in in the spirit hearing him say like, well, I was told no to, like I was in the garden and I asked for this cup to be passed from me and I was told no, and you were told no. And um, so like you're in good company. And so once I heard that um, and could kind of visualize like him in the garden, that made going through the other treatments a lot easier. And I think, you know, when we talk about healthy lamenting, I think we got to be honest with the Lord about what we're feeling in any given moment and not just like push it down or try to cover it with platitudes because the honesty is what makes our relationship with him authentic, you know? Absolutely. Well, I just like, gosh, like I just can't even imagine like being through that. I've never genuinely experienced like full on grief. Like I've been through breakups. Mm -hmm. I've lost, you know, grandparents, but I've never been through like absolute grief with the Lord. And that's why I do feel like, you know, you are a great person to kind of speak to that because I know a lot of my listeners, I mean, those are the DMs I get. Those are the messages of people being like, I'm so mad at God. Like, Mm -hmm. why would God take my mom? Why would God, you know, like all the prayers that we have that they don't get answered. And it's sometimes I'm just like, I don't have an answer. Like I don't. And I I wish I did for you. And I'm so sorry. And I, and I know that in those moments, everyone wants to automatically run to God is good. God's still good. And, And I know he is, but sometimes it's like, I, you're right. I think it's okay to be honest, to be like, God, I actually don't, I don't think you're good. Mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty hurt by you. I'm pretty mad. I'm pretty frustrated. And I think that that is, um, that is so part of the Christian walk. It's so part of the Christian faith is going through seasons and rhythms of lamenting and doubting and fear and anxieties. And then those are the ones that, oh, excuse me, my light just blinked. <laughs> um, those are the ones that propel you and prepare you for the mountaintops as well, because we we appreciate the mountaintops so much more when we've been through the valleys and not that we need necessarily always the valleys, but I do think that they're important. I do think that they give us a greater appreciation. And I think, you know, it's funny because this morning I was reading second Samuel 12 and that's just like the next chapter I was just reading in my Bible. And it talks about how when David's son dies because he was disobedient to the Lord and he displeased God And even after his son dies, like his beloved son dies, he still goes and immediately worships God. And it just says, David goes and worships. And then he starts praying and fasting and asking the Lord, like, God, like, this is hard. And he's lamenting. And then he gets another son. And even though he's praying and fasting for his son to survive, his son still does not survive. And then he, as he prays and fasts, he gets another son, son called Solomon that is called beloved that God loved. And so to me, it just shows like God is not always going to answer our prayers. And like, even though David still prays and fasts and he's, he's not eating for days and days and days, people are having to pick him up from the floor. Cause they're like, David, you need to eat, you need to eat. And he's like, no, I can't because he's so sad. But that shows me that 
even in the midst of sadness and when God still doesn't answer our prayers, we can still worship him. It says he goes and worships and then he still gets a son that God redeems almost. It's like, hey, the praying and fasting wasn't in vain. The praying and fasting wasn't just not worth it. That now gave you another son called Solomon who does even greater things that was still blessed. And it's a redemption story. And so even though, you know, maybe people could look at your story and be like, why would God give you cancer? Why would that happen? You know, now I look at you and you're here on my platform getting to share your story, encourage people. And that's where I always encourage people that, you know, no story is wasted. Nothing is wasted that God does take beauty from ashes. And it's so beautiful. And it seems like your story is an absolute testimony of that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's all by his grace, right? And his ability to keep drawing us near in the midst of like really, really hard things when everything in our sinful human nature wants to turn and hide from him and be angry. Um, I think one thing you touched on with that David story is like how necessary it is for us to align our opinions and our definitions of certain things with the Bible. So like, for example, when I was going through chemo, um, it was really hard for me to read scripture because I kept coming to phrases like, you know, you're blessed or you're protected or, you know, the Lord is your shepherd even. And I just kept thinking like, well, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like I'm blessed when I'm like have a nosebleed all day long and my hair's falling out and all these things. And then I was driving one day and I kind of felt challenged of like, well, what if my definition is wrong? Um, You know, what if it's my experience as a um, American Christian that's kind of defined these things a little bit off kilter? Um, because maybe somebody in a third world country would have a very different definition of blessed than what I do. And so it was a really good challenging season of redefining a lot of those words and um, yeah, trusting in the Lord, not for a specific outcome, but trusting in him for his character and his ability yeah, to just be bigger than my understanding. And I mean, any, I feel like any traumatic experience, that's kind of the result that a lot of people come out of it with, which is just like, I didn't have control and um, I just need him to be the one that has control. How did you handle that when, you know, I read in one of your blogs, you asked God, like, God, like, why me? Why, why of all people, why did I get this burden? How did you handle the, the why me question to God? I mean, I would like to say that I'm like done handling that, but there's there's still an element of that that um, I can look around at uh, some people my age that um, are married and have kids and seem to have this, you know, this perfect life. And I look at all the ways that cancer kind of um, like redirected a whole bunch of aspects of my life and it still feels like why me or, you know, the side effects that are still going on. Um, but I think that again comes down to like my definition of what was I like, what did I deserve from the Lord? And if, if, you know, if we're honest about it and our fallen creation, like he doesn't owe us anything, which I don't think is something a lot of people want to hear. Um, absolutely. But like, he doesn't owe us anything and everything that he gives us his kindness and his goodness, it's all a mercy. And so, um, whenever I get in that headspace and I'm like, Oh, why am I dealing with this? I try not to compare it to other people because I feel like that's either for positive or worse, right? You could look to one side and say that person has it better off, or you could look to another side and say, well, that person's dealing with worse, so I shouldn't be feeling bad. Um, I think I kind of 
learned with the help of counseling how to like feel multiple things at the same time. So to feel, okay, if I'm honest, I still think why me sometimes, why am I dealing with these side effects? Um, But then in the, the other hand, at the same time, I can also feel like, but my whole life is something I didn't deserve. And Jesus, you're just so good to keep the breath in my lungs. And so I think we just got to hold those things together in tandem and nobody likes uh, paradoxes, but I feel like that's kind of where I landed on the why me. No, that's so good. So good. And and I think again, as I continued to read in second Samuel about David's story, you know, God continued to bless David and he, he didn't deserve necessarily the blessing, even though he was still obedient and faithful um, he asked God, why, why me? Why would you choose me to be blessed? And instead, I think a lot of people are like, God, why not me? Like, why aren't you choosing me? But the thing is, yeah, like the Bible says that there is no one good, not one. We all deserve death. Like the wages of sin is death. And so not that I want to diminish people's pains because of like, oh, well, you deserve death. Like <laughs> that's a bit ridiculous to say to someone but I think, yeah, it is just trying. To, I, I love what you said earlier of just like aligning your beliefs to scriptures because it is so easy to to go to our feelings, and especially when you're lamenting and grieving. Like I can't even imagine going through that and someone just slapping a Bible verse on me being like, oh, well, look at this Bible verse. And you're yeah. just like, really? Like mm-hmm. that's what you're going to say to me? Like that doesn't help me for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so hard. But I do think there is something so powerful about how the Bible does talk about in Philippians 4, 8 of meditating on the things because we have to, we have to take the thoughts captive because, you know, we the enemy wants us to run rampant in our minds of God's not good or he's not going to heal me or he's, He's robbing from me or this is how it's always going to be. And like the lies just steal our joy. And it's, it's really cool. And I'm sure really hard, but to see that you still had joy and some peace in the midst of that, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, to others are like, Oh man, like poor Kelsey. And for you to be like, man, God is still with me. Like Mm -hmm. I still can have great quality time with the Lord and still trust him and have glimpse of peace here and there. Um, And I think that's just what it maybe looks like to have, the seasons of grief, you know, where it's going to be hard sometimes, but also, God, I still do trust you regardless of my pain. Yeah. And that's a good point. And like huge props to my friends and my church at that time for letting me be really vocal and, you know, spend time talking about how angry I was or how confused I was and just allowing those things to come out and not to have cliche, simple answers thrown back at me. Um, So yeah, it's, it's kind of caused me to want to be more like that for other people and to to not just jump to like a quick fix answer when someone's bringing up this emotion or thought that they have. And yeah, I think that's something we can all continue to improve in. Yeah. I was going to actually ask you like, what was the most helpful and then the least helpful thing in that time of what people said or did? Cause it is like, I do feel like people kind of walk lightly. They tread mm-hmm. lightly when they're dealing with that. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything wrong, but you still want to instill hope into someone and you still want to encourage them. But, you know, I remember I I have a friend in my life and she's been trying to get pregnant for two years. And I remember just being like, no, like God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. Like God's got you. And one of my friends looked at me and was like, but what if he doesn't like, what if she doesn't get pregnant? Is God still good? And, and you can't, you can't promise her that God's going to necessarily work it out. You can instill faith and hope in her. And it really humbled me where I was like, dang, like I don't, 
want to necessarily put false hope onto someone, but I do want to be believing for them when they don't believe. I want to lift their arms when they can't lift their arms. Mm -hmm. And so I guess if you could just speak to that of like, if I'm a friend speaking to someone that has cancer, like what is a helpful way to help support them? But what also was hard for you that your friends did? Well, one of the best things that my friends did, two of them are social workers. So I think that they had a good mindset going into it. Um, but two of the, one of the things that they did was they asked me like straight up, they said, you know, we've never had cancer. Like what is going to be the most helpful to you? And that was super early on in the diagnosis process. So I found that to be really freeing, like not that they were making, you know, putting a weight on me to direct them on how to help me, but I was able to say like, I just love quality time. So I know you guys have families and kids, but like any time you're able to spend with me through this is going to be really helpful. Or um, so like that was awesome. The fact that they asked and I've tried to do that now going forward with some other people that are going through hard things. Um, but then I had one friend that like just took it upon herself to time my mail with my chemo cycles and she would send me cards with knock knock jokes like oh, it was just wow. super thoughtful and um, yeah so it was always different from different people you know one person um, found a gift that they felt like would really speak to me and then surprised me with the gift and a note of encouragement so it wasn't like any one thing was the best but um, just people, you know, relying on their own strengths too, to know, like, if you're a really good gift buyer and you know that that's blessed the person in the past, then go for that. Like you don't have to overthink it necessarily just because that person's going through something unique. Um, as far as things that weren't so helpful, uh, um, yeah, I think some some phrases really bugged me, like um, when people would say everything happens for a reason or something like right. that. <laughs> and Kate Bowler, I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's got a stage four cancer, actually, and she wrote a book by that title, like uh, everything happens for a reason. And she's a theologian, so she kind of came at it from that vantage point of like, is that even theology theologically correct to say that? Right. And um, what are some other ways that we can say things to support people instead? So, yeah, some phrases like that were harmful. Or I remember somebody kind of equating it to like, well, maybe this is a spiritual thing. Like you are going through this because of X, Y, Z. You weren't seeking the Lord enough or something. They didn't say it directly to me. But when it got back to me, I mean, that's always painful when you're like, really? Yeah. You, you think that, um, I mean, scripture has examples like that. So I don't want to discount that. But yeah, just trying not to act like we have it all figured out because that comes across poorly to the person going through the scenario. Gosh, I couldn't even like imagine having cancer and someone being like, oh, it was because you, you sinned or because of something you did. And I, I would be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and that that's pretty crazy to hear. And I, I think what would be your encouragement then to someone that does feel like, God, like, are you punishing me like why why did I get this like how would you respond to someone that is feeling that way like oh it's because I'm God's punishing me and maybe that's not true yeah I guess I can only speak to my own experience but like when that thought crossed my mind um I just tried to reframe it in the actual like bigger biblical narrative and to realize that me and my life is not when sin and sickness and death entered like this is our create our fallen creation and so putting it back into that bigger narrative um helped 
take off some of that burden off of me personally and to just realize like Jesus hates the fact that cancer exists just as much or more than I do. Like he hates it so much that he went to the cross and died and is, you know, in the work of redeeming our world. And so like that was really helpful to me. And um, yeah, I would encourage anyone that's going through something hard that feels like, gosh, did I bring this on myself uh, with sin? I mean, there's a difference between repercussions and consequences and something bigger. So yeah, that's kind of where I landed on that. Yeah. And I think it's kind of difficult to say this to this specific situation of sickness or cancer, because I I don't think I have all the answers. But I mean, I do know, yeah, like our sins do have consequences. And I do think that people, you know, they're like, how did I get here? And why is this happening? And I just, you know, I always encourage people like, hey, look at your patterns, look what look at what you've been entertaining or what you've been doing. But when it comes to sickness, you know, I do think that is a consequence of sin in the world and the and the brokenness of the world. And I think oftentimes, we we forget that we're fighting a spiritual battle. We forget that there's an enemy that hates us. We forget that in John 10, 10, that he only comes, the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your joy, kill you, destroy your body, whatever the case may be. And so I think everyone can quickly run to God and say, God, why, why, why? Like, you're punishing me. How dare you? Why would you do this? And that is so valid. I mean, I completely understand why people would think that, but I also think we forget that we are living in a spiritual battle every single day, that there is a fight for our souls, for our bodies, for our minds, for our purity, for our eyes, for what we entertain. I mean, our, our everything. And so I think we're so quick to run and point fingers at God. And instead of looking at an enemy that is snickering and laughing and loving it when you're dying on, on a bed in a hospital room, like he loves that. And so I think just as David, you know, when he, his son died, he immediately goes and worships, and I know that is so, so hard to do, but worship is a weapon. Worship is a way to fight back on the enemy, and so it's like I can't just tell everyone, yeah, go worship, but I do think if you can get there and if you can worship through the worry and worship through that war, like you are fighting back the enemy. You are fighting things, and you're breaking chains through your worship, and you're, and you're breaking strongholds and things over your body through worship and so do you feel like in that season you were able to do that or how did that look like for you yeah I think in a literal sense um you know certain songs like I could have heard that song a hundred times and then hearing it going through cancer I would hear like a new like a lyric that would rub me the wrong way and I was like oh how can I (laughs) sing that so what I started doing was just finding those songs that I did feel like I could authentically sing and then really leaning heavily on those. And they might be really, really simple ones like Jesus loves me, but just thinking like, I can authentically say that right now. So, um, you know, I'm going to rely on those. And then I think the other thing that um, I ended up doing was like, you know, there's the literal type of worship, but then there's also like, okay, going for a walk and continuing to worship the Lord through appreciating nature and the creation that he like gave us as a gift. Um, So I, you know, I would do that or, you know, some of the opportunities that I had to write or model or things like that. Like to me, that is a form of worship because it's taking a situation that the enemy meant to steal, kill and destroy and to turn it back and to say, okay, well, if you're going to do that to me, I'm going to actually use this as something that furthers the kingdom and gives the Lord glory. And I think that that 
can be a form of worship too. So um, I think uh, as soon as I was diagnosed and I had processed the news, I started thinking like, okay, how can I start using this story right away to like talk about the Lord and um, talk wow. about body image? Cause that's a huge part of breast cancer and, you know, trying to wow. encourage other young women who are walking this path and feeling alone because it doesn't happen to people in their twenties that often. So yeah, I feel like all of those things kind of culminated into worship during that time and still do. Wow. That's great. And I think that's such a good point to talk about how Worship doesn't come in just one form. Absolutely not. It, it comes in so many different forms. But I think ultimately it's always just pointing back to Jesus and asking him, you know, Lord, like, how can I serve you? How can I love you more? How can I know you more? And that can come in so many different forms of journaling, praying, walking, singing, I mean, dancing, like whatever the case may be. Um, I guess another question for you would be just, what would be your encouragement to someone that is going through that? They're going through the lamenting or the grieving or the doubting and they're, they just don't understand. Like they feel like they're at their rock bottom and they're just like, how will I get out of this? What would be your encouragement to someone that's in the season that you were in? You know, yeah. Like looking back on that, it's, it's really difficult when you feel like you are lacking hope um, specifically when you, you don't know when the situation's going to end or if it's going to end the way that you want it to. The encouragement that I would give to anybody facing anything difficult is two things. One, to try as much as you can to kind of act like Thomas in the Bible and to say, like, I, I believe, but help my unbelief and to have that honest statement to the Lord. And I remember doing that a few times, like, I believe that you can heal me, but help me believe that you're still good even if you don't or like you know find those things that feel really authentic to you to continue to foster that relationship with the lord and then the other thing that helped me um was trying to not like escalate cancer to to be in my head like it was my entire life because yes it was this huge really important thing and still is in the ways that it affects me but to realize like that is just one thread in the tapestry of my life. And um, it doesn't have the power to become the whole thing, the whole tapestry. And so that was uh, powerful when I realized that. And I still try to, as much as I can, find balance in my thought life and my journaling and, and all those things to make sure that I don't make it my entire life. Um, because we can definitely take a struggle and make it our whole identity. And, and you know, in fact, our identity should be in Christ and he suffered. So that's a big part of it, but that wasn't all he was, you know, he wasn't only his suffering. So yeah, trying to find that balance. Wow. I love what you said that to not find our identity in our struggle. I think that's so good. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people do that. And I know I've been totally like, I've done that before in my past as well. And so that's a, that's a good quote. <laughs> Um, okay. I have like two more questions sure. for you. So what was, what were some verses that you kind of clung to during that time? What, what was a verse that you maybe replayed in your head over and over? Okay. So they both kind of have short stories to go with them, but, um, my church every year at new year's, we do these scripture promises. So it's just this big stack of verses and then you come up front and you get the one on top. So it's like kind of really random, but not random because it's the Holy spirit. And, uh, the year that I, had just been diagnosed. I was diagnosed in December and I got my scripture verse for the next year and um, actually had it written down here. 
So it's Psalm 121.8, and it says, The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was just diagnosed with cancer, and then I get this verse about him being in control of my life, basically, and like, you know, when I was birthed and when I die. So yeah, that one was just like amazing, pinned it on my heart. I am going to think about that forever when fear of reoccurrence comes up. It's like, he's the one that preserves my going out and my coming in. And that's not on me, you know, to try to figure out. The other one that I really relied on through chemo uh, came in the mail to me. Um, The way that my healthcare works is people send me money for my bills. It's the nonprofit that I work at actually. And so I didn't have traditional insurance that I was using. Um, So like 380 people sent me money for my bills and they usually sent notes and cards with that. And um, one of the notes that came to me was from 2 Corinthians and it was the verse about how um, we have these light and momentary afflictions, but they're producing for us, you know, glory in the age to come. And so I would just keep meditating on that, like as I felt super nauseous and sick, and I'd be like, what is this worth right now? But then I would think like this suffering is somehow in the mystery of the way the Lord created the universe going to present glory later on. So yeah, those two really stuck with me. Gosh, so good. So, so, so good. And I'm excited to get to heaven one day and be like, okay, God, like explain everything to me, like explain (laughs) what what that did and what that what that was for and what were the impacts and implications that happened after that and because of that and so but I think it is cool to to know that yeah God is a God of like of mysterious ways and we don't know from your story like who God impacted or what what he's doing in the spiritual realm or in another person's life that we literally have no idea about and I think that's what's kind of cool is like just trusting and leaning in that God like I don't know but I believe that you are going to do something and I believe that this is for something and you're still here, you know, you're still breathing and God is still not done with you and he's going to continue to use this story for something, which is just so, so powerful and amazing. And I'm so thankful that he, you know, he healed you and I'm like, praise God. Yeah. Thank you. I guess like one of the last questions I want to ask you is what, like for people that are looking at you and they're like, okay, like she did her bucket list thing. Like, how did your life change? Like, what can we learn from feeling like you're dying and being like, all right, God, like this is the last time on earth. Like, what did you do differently? And how did you live your life differently? Yeah, I mean, it definitely caused me to like try things I hadn't done before. And, you know, a lot of that came later on, like after treatment was done, because I was so afraid of the cancer coming back. I was kind of paralyzed emotionally for a while. Um, and then I was like, I'm just going to start doing some of these things that I've wanted to do. So speaking of Chicago, like I signed up for a pasta making class in Chicago and went and did that or, you know, threw a mocktail party for my friends. And so I think that it's just kind of like, uh, caused me not to live like recklessly by any means, but, um, to, to do the things that are fun and not just like sit on those ideas for a long time. And, um, yeah, I mean, besides that, it's definitely caused me to be more intentional when like a friend or an acquaintance is going through something hard and uh, wanting to be for them the kind of support system that I had during cancer. And so, yeah, that's like an unfortunate side effect of going through something hard is like, you, you know, you turn the mirror and you want to be that for someone else, but um, also definitely a blessing to be here, to be alive, to still have time and to 
It sounds so cliche, but yeah, I don't want to like live each moment as if it matters because it really, it really, really does. Wow. I love that. Okay. Last question I have for you is what makes you happy and healthy? Oh man. I think the thing that makes me happiest is being honest with Jesus and like not feeling like I need to hide anything from him. So for anyone that feels like they're really struggling to be joyful or happy right now, like it seems counterintuitive, but I would say, you know, just to continue to be honest with Jesus about anything and everything. And um, you're going to continue to be more happy and more healthy than you were before that, for sure. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I love that. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's so powerful. And I'm really excited to see the way that God continues to use you and your story and how, you know, you're going to help so many other people um, that do maybe feel alone in this or they feel like they're lamenting or just whatever the, the case may be. So for my listeners, feel free to reach out to her and maybe you can let my listeners know as well where they can find you and how they can follow you. Yeah. So pretty active on Instagram. So that's at Kelsey Barnhart. And then I also have a website, KelseyBarnhart.com, where I write and post there as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm looking forward to just seeing more of what you know God does in your life. And I appreciate you taking time to get to chat with me. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. All right, you guys. That was today's episode with Kelsey Barnhart. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Maybe you are someone going through a rough season or you're going through something that she's going through or a family member is. I hope this was a blessing and can just kind of give you guys some things to think about. And it's encouraging. And just know that God is with you. He's fighting for you. He's fighting with you. I don't always have the answers. I don't always know why things happen, but I just know that we are in a broken world. Unfortunately, we're in a world full of sin and full of death and sickness, but just know that there is an enemy that's fighting for your soul as well. And so I do pray, um, oops, my lights just flickered. I do pray that in the midst of whatever you're going through, you guys can find some joy and peace and contentment. And it does come from the Lord. The only reason why I'm able to, or why anyone really a Christian is able to get through a lot of these seasons is because we have the Lord as an anchor for our souls and for whatever we go through, we know we can trust and we know that our, that, that earth is not our home, that we eventually are waiting for an eternal glory ultimately. And so, um, that is what I lean on and fix my eyes on is just eternity with Jesus and, um, looking at, you know, God, this is not my home. And let me just try to bring heaven to this earth and try to make it a more beautiful place, but knowing that this is not our home eternally. And so, um, anyway, I hope this podcast helped you guys out. Um, and it's a blessing. If you guys enjoyed this podcast or enjoyed the podcast in general, please tag us. We love seeing when you guys tag us, we always repost them. So if you're listening, if you're watching, whatever the case may be, I love reposting them. I love seeing y'all's feedback and I read all the messages from you guys when you guys send me them. So thank you guys. Keep sending those to me. It's an encouragement to me. And uh, yeah, like I said, the podcast will be taking a break, but we have the month of October left. Um, I know RIP sad, but you know, all good things must come to an end, but we will be back. Don't you worry better than ever. Some fun, exciting things coming. Um, hope you guys are still enjoying your merch and uh, I love y'all. I'll see you guys again next Tuesday, but until then stay happy and healthy. Bye y'all. Bye.